Can I kick it? Uh, we're, we're live from TIFF, or at least two of us are. Yeah, um, the Toronto Film Festival is still happening, both as we're recording and as you're listening to this. You could have been a person that walking by Andy in the light box going, who's that guy talking to his phone? Right, who's that and, asshole on a Zoom call? Yeah, a recording a podcast in public. And it's this right now. Um... And we got Emilio here. I know this isn't how we usually do it. <laughs> Introducing everyone. Uh, like yeah, this. I'm here. Yeah, I'm here uh, at my Airbnb. Watch some movies. Ready to talk about them on the podcast with my good friends. Yeah, so we're gonna do it just like the bonus episode. If you listen to that, that came out, uh, and we're gonna get Andy and Emilio's reports on what they've seen from TIFF. Uh, finishing up that. And then after this, you'll hear me and Jesse talking about what she saw, and that'll be the episode. <laughs> yeah, excuse yeah, me, sure I'm still be recovering from COVID. You're welcome. Um, excited for all all those producers I've been talking with around town for this to be the first episode they listen to. <laughs> yeah, this will be great. <laughs> um, well, I think last time we talked, Emilio, you had only seen the Miyazaki and the Bonello. Um, so yeah, I think yeah. if you want to go, you didn't really go into either of them too deeply. If you want to do that more now, I guess is the time. I feel like I said what I had to say about the Miyazaki. Uh, it's good, it's pretty, but I, I just was disappointed because it felt like ground he had already covered in another movie, but uh, you know, less interestingly, you know, sure. is it a crime to be worse than Spirited Away? No, but you know, you can't help but be a little disappointed, especially when like Wind Rises was the perfect way to go out. Yeah. The Bonello, I think I've cooled on it a bit. I think I was higher on it when I spoke to you initially, and now I like it a little less. I don't know, it's a little over long. It's doing a lot. It has this sort of interesting structure of uh transporting throughout time. It's a little uh Cloud Atlasy, like okay, yeah. The sort of main plot of it is sort of like in the future, a person sort of recalling their past lives because they're considering whether or not they want to like rid themselves of all emotion, like most people have in the future. That it is, uh, Leia Seydoux plays that character, and the like love that she keeps running into is played by George McKay. Yeah, uh, Leia Seydoux is great. McKay's weird. He kind of holds his own. Not in that he's as good as her, but in that he's perfectly functional and you're never, like, mad he's there, I guess. Sure. Uh, Benella finds ways to make him look weird and creepy sometimes in interesting ways, as Bertrand Benella will do. Yeah. And then I guess we should just go by days of what you've seen. I don't know. Um, which is for You'll both of you. You'll have to pull up my ticker because I don't think I can remember, and it's hard for me to check. Let me, yeah, let me, let me do that right now. Uh, I know the. I mean, I watched another movie that first day, so I know. Sure. Yeah. That. Keep going. Though Andy, I guess Andy was there before me, so Andy. But uh, I watched yeah. the Human Search Three, the Eduardo Williams movie, 
that's playing Wavelengths, which is this sort of kind of travelogue, a kind of experiential film uh, shot in 360 cameras that were then like the footage was like spliced out of that and flattened out in weird and interesting ways. It's like all these sorts of kids and young adults from different parts of the world sort of traveling along and hanging out in a sort of interesting way where sometimes it will be in one country and then they will cut and there will just all be hanging out in a completely different country in a different part of the world. Uh, that was fun. It's interesting. I'm liking it more as it goes on probably because while I was watching it, I was just being very, I was, just had a lot of motion sickness uh, because it's very crazy looking and a lot of it is shot like POV. So there's a lot of like bobbing camera, which always sort of sure. makes it hard for me to watch. But by the end, I was really enraptured and there's, there's some really cool use of the technology and surprising things adding by the end that made it a sort of enjoyable experience. Um. Yeah. Andy, if you want to talk about something. Well, so are both of you have seen uh, His Three Daughters. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I saw that um, at the press screen on uh, Sunday morning, which I, I, you know, I quite like. You know, I've, we've talked about um, Friend Jack did a lot in this show because that's a show that I saw at the, uh, or a movie that I saw at the, um, the New York the Film COVID Festival F, that was pandemic-based. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, it was the closing film at that, and I was really taken with that. It was like my favorite film of that year for some time. Maybe still is, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, this one, it's, you know, it's not going for as much of a comedy as, as that, although there is still some funny stuff. And it is really like you are just sort of locked in a um, in an apartment with three ladies. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's Carrie Coon, Elizabeth Olsen, and um, uh, Natasha Leone as uh, sisters whose father is dying in a room in the apartment sort of down the hall. He is, uh, you don't see him uh, very much um, or at, at all uh, for, for most of the movies. Uh, and so he's sort of just this like looming off-screen presence. Um, and yeah, I think like it's a really terrific acting showcase for all three actresses. It's like got that tough sort of like heightened dialogue and it looks like they're going to kick me out of this lounge very shortly. Um, so I'm going to, uh, uh, Amelia also saw this. So I'm going to pass this off to him and see if I can find a seat upstairs. One second. Okay. So, yeah. it's The movie mostly goes on like their dynamics where it's like Harry Coon is the older of the sisters and she can be a little domineering and she can... Uh, this sort of want to run things. Elizabeth Olsen is the youngest. She's sort of like very like new agey nice. Everybody comments on her like about how like she's like an alien kind of like she's very weird. She's wearing Grateful Dead t-shirts. She, she talks often about how much she likes the Grateful Dead and the sort of vibe that that brings across. And then Natasha Leone is like they're like half sister like uh, Elizabeth Olsen and Carrie Coon are like full sisters and then uh, Natasha Leone is like their half sister but like even weirdly not fully that it's sure. like a weird yeah. sister dynamic but she is also the person who is like set to inherit this apartment where the dads lived so and she's just like a real chiller just like bets parlays and smokes weed okay uh <laughs> So it's just a lot of like them battling like 
Carrie Coon being like, you need to spend more time with dad. And like, what are you doing? You need to get your life together. Natasha Leon being like, leave me the fuck alone. Like, <laughs> I, I've been here longer than you. Get the fuck off. <laughs> and it's interesting. It's like, uh, it's well written. You know, the their conflict is well explored. There are a couple of like supporting actor performances of guys who just pop by for a scene that I think are like pretty incredible that I really like. Uh, Giovanna Depo has a very good scene in it. Sure. Uh, he, he he plays uh Natasha Leone's boyfriend. Sure. Um, you have any questions, Colin? No, I mean I don't really like French exit, but I'll see this one. <laughs> yeah, I think it's not very similar to French. Sure. Exit. Yeah. I guess there's there's like there's like a similar like I guess like New Yorkiness to it, but it's not like weird really. It is mostly just yeah. like a fairly like. Stay- there's like a there's like some uniqueness in the dialogue of just like it, it it's a lot of monologues people go on for a while but it's not like nobody's trying to be like quirky you know it, it, it everybody's mostly operating as like real human beings and yeah. like i guess elizabeth olsen's character is a little quirky but you know it's like called out as like she's like a real life quirky person that they're sort of, yes, everybody's yeah. sort of put off by um i thought it was like l- pretty nice like i think andy and jesse loved it i thought it was like pretty good and with some great stuff in it um anything else you want to know about um, color i mean i I found it it, sorry uh we'll see how long it can last here uh near the elevators but um uh i found it very emotionally affecting by the end i think it's um you know it's it it it's dealing with naturally emotional subjects, but I think it sort of slyly approaches that pretty well and like successfully distracts you with like all the other business of this of this process at the beginning, so that when it gets to the emotional place, like it is like you're on board and you're with them and it like it, it lands for you as well. And I know yeah. you also, and it's like kind of oh, stagey, but like in a good yeah. way where it's like all of these people are like trapped in this apartment space. Well, not you know trapped just like like metaphorically sure. or whatever they all just sure. have to spend time here and just like that causes conflicts to arise between them and they will like have disagreements and have arguments but it's never like uh it can be i would never say it's overwrought it's definitely like big sometimes in a way that i wasn't fully sold on but it, it's like mostly effective yeah and then um i know you also saw boy in the hair on andy yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked it more than the other thing. It's like my fifth favorite Miyazaki, something like that. I like it. I like it more than Wind Rises. Um, I think it is more in line with what I like out of him as a filmmaker in terms of like the, the fantastical content and like the the kooky characters and that sort of stuff that I sort of like Wind Rises is like much more grounded as a movie. And this one like has like it goes to a magical world, like which is like what I like movie so um yeah i you know my my letterbox review is just the word narnian and like it is very like the chronicles of narnia especially like a lot of like magician's nephew in particular of like this magical world between worlds and like the the superstructure that is con- controlling all the worlds and that sort of stuff that is just like i, I respond to that stuff very well um and there's a lot of great parakeet stuff parakeets are so well animated and so fun to watch 
And then you saw Dream Scenario. Yes, I did see Dream Scenario, uh, which uh, is not good. Not, Dude, not a, I don't not know what it, this is. The I don't even know what this movie is. Sure. So the premise of this movie is Nicolas Cage is um, just some like he's like a professor of like zoology or something. He like teaches at like some anonymous college or whatever, uh, and he is appearing in everyone's dreams, like in the world, like or like. Right, Men, I think like, yes. Like hundreds and hundreds of people are reported as having having him appear in their dreams, and so um, it sort of just um, it go it it like establishes that and like it's a fun register for Cage, who's truly playing like a nothing loser guy, which I think is like kind of fun to see him do. Like he's really like it's just like like he just has no juice like the character he's like he's just like the lamest person imaginable you know um and so like the thing is all these dreams he's like totally passive and active like he just sort of shows up and is like standing there while stuff is happening around him and you get some laughs out of like his look he like is like bald and like schlubby or whatever um but it really just sort of doesn't really go anywhere with it until all of a sudden it goes to like a very weird like high concept super like sci-fi place at the very end for a little bit and it really i was very like unengaged and annoyed by it for a lot of the time her yeah i know i i know jesse doesn't like it i'm sure we'll hear more from her yeah, on that yeah. what's the name of the director it's the i'm sick of myself guy or whatever that guy yeah. uh christopher borgley, christopher borgley. yeah ari asked a producer on it yeah. Um I'm just gonna keep going through yours, Andy, so we can get you out of here. Okay. And then uh Amelia, whenever you've seen one, you can just hop in, obviously. Uh Sing Sing, you saw Andy. Yeah, Sing Sing. The the first of two Coleman Domingo project. I haven't seen my second yet, but um it's the, first, it's the one I saw. So this one is uh it's set in Sing Sing and it's about uh the real life like prison theater program. Um, and it's uh, it stars Coleman Domingo, but it is like based on the real program, and like it features a lot of like former inmates playing themselves in this program. So the story is like a little bit obvious and like by the beat sort of inspirational like arts program in the prison sort of story. Like you can probably guess a lot of the things that happen in it, but like all these people are so compelling on screen. I think it's like interestingly and well shot. Um, Coleman Domingo is like obviously an electric performer who is just someone you want to watch, especially where he like has all this 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 you know they're doing they're putting on plays, so you see him do a lot of different stuff in it. Um, yeah, it's it's really I think it's really cool uh, and you know a little under the radar, so I hope people do check it out because I think it's like it's really solid and like I think it is like it could be a like a real crowd pleaser if people like sought it out or whatever. Sure. Um, did someone have that? Is that coming out? I don't think it has distribution because he was like he got the tribute award for acting, and it was only for that. I think because because they could do that because it's not like not struck work currently because it's not for a studio at the moment. So I don't think it has full distribution. Uh, uh, Andy. Yeah, can yeah. you give me a second? I have a spe- I have a special guest who wants to come on the podcast. Whoa! Oh boy, who's that? Whoa! To be clear, Emilio offered. I didn't like beg. 
Hi, I'm Jackson. Yeah. Hi, Jackson. It's <laughs> our friend Jackson. Jackson Kim Murphy. Hey, Jackson. Hey, guys. I work at yeah, Variety. I've been, uh, yeah, yeah Variety's out. Uh, an Airbnb with for the last several days. Yeah, yeah. Just chilling out. I'm cleaning up. Yeah. This is all I, I, this is all going out to the world. I appreciate and respect that. Um yeah. Um Jackson. Wait, yeah, I wanna field one oh Andy, you can go. Yeah. I want I, I, I guess I'm, the idea was I field one question from Colin and then go okay. back to Pat. Yeah, go ahead. Colin throw a question. I mean what's the deal with Pullman? Okay, so Pullman um is interesting there were i i want to say at least 60 walkouts um it was it was pretty clearly not connecting with people i was laughing From what, uh, what the theater? whole time what's the deal with the like why uh, like don't Scotia people Bank like it do you 12? because <laughs> it um, seems like I everyone think, is anti well, one it's not yeah it's like it is edited like a crazy person it sure. is pretty this is Pullman, uh, shaggy chris pine's directorial debut we yeah wrote co-wrote directed and stars yes. um yeah like 60 walkouts out of like a smaller scotiabank theater i don't i mean the thing is like it is pretty funny emilio made the comparison to a david wayne movie and sure. it did remind me of chris pine being a wet hot american summer yeah. netflix series he's in sort of his performance is sort of in that tone um but yeah i mean it's just like playing these like noir notes uh as comedy and i think people in the theater were taking some of the line reading seriously and sure. i was like this is this isn't even that funny but it's it's supposed to be funny guys <laughs> um yeah i think everyone's really good in it uh the whole it's just like an all-star cast just like jennifer jason lee Whoa. danny devito chris pine John Ortiz and Annette Benning. They're all just there's ones where they're all just standing together. And I'm like, wow, look at this. This Annette is like Benning? Ocean's 13. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Annette Benning's second build, Andy. Whoa. Um yeah. she's really I mean, funny. She it, I think she um she has some good comedic he's been popping up a lot. He's yeah. Uh but it really it really does seem to be the uh just like the punching bag of the festival. I think no Her. one seems to like it. Yeah, and it'll play at New York Film Festival next month, which is funny too. Um, is that true? And, it is I, at I New York. How that... I believe so. Emilio said that. All right. Well, maybe fact check that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just I, it was a real like, hey, hey, Chris Pine, thank you for sharing that. That was yeah. nice that you made that. Do I need him to make another movie? I don't know, but. Sure um certainly it's not it's a unique film that doesn't quite work all the time but i think is very likable and has some laughs not a fool's paradise situation no not a fool's paradise i did not feel clickbaited by it i wasn't <laughs> yeah like, distraught that i had like been like i should i should check out what's going on with pool man i need to know what's happening here and the answer is not that much but enough sure Yeah. I mean, do we want to go on? Any, any, any other thing, Jackson? I, I mean, we, we can talk briefly about the Wiseman, Jackson. Sure, yeah, you both saw the Wiseman. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, we could talk about the Frederick Wiseman doc real quick. That I can't, yeah. I, I don't, I can't, I just keep calling it the Frederick Wiseman doc. Yeah, no yeah. one's learned the title. 
Menu Plaisir yeah. Lake yeah. Trugwa. I don't know. Sure. Um, AKA Colin's uh, future favorite movie of all times. Um Yeah, you're gonna excited. love this thing, Colin. We're excited. Yeah. Uh I mean, yeah. It's a Wiseman doc. I've only seen um uh City Hall previously, but like it's very much in that vein. He's not breaking any ground. But it's yeah, it's it's this French restaurant. You see um like a lot of their like their sourcing process of like how they get the food that they serve. And then a lot of their the menu selection process, their their service preparation, their food preparation, all this stuff. And it's really, I guess the center of it is like the owner of this restaurant who is like this second generation French chef. He's getting ready to turn everything over to his sons at some point soon, I guess. And uh, yeah, it's very, it's very good. There's a lot going on. He, he finds interesting themes and he puts it in movies. Like, that's why he does. Yeah, it is just four hours i mean i mean it's less um hmm, how do i like i mean my expectation of like a frederick like there's less places to go i think within the setting than i assumed there would be it's it's really just like the kitchen the clientele and then like the food prep and then like they go to a cheese factory at one point and you see some livestock at one point but it's it's pretty it's hyper focused it's less sprawling than i assumed it would be but it's still pretty terrific it's the favorite thing i've seen here um, I really connected. I mean, the the main uh, chef the, who I think is in his 60s or late 50s or something like that, who he has this monologue near the end about how he has handed over uh, most of the kitchen responsibilities to his son already. There are two sons. There's the son who works in the kitchen with him and another son who runs another location of the restaurant, but has more autonomy, which is his own interesting dynamic in the sure. film. How like, would you rather work under your father and he's like you're in charge but i'm but i'm here yeah. <laughs> um or would you rather be not the chosen one but you know off in your own little world being able to control things but he gives this monologue at the end that really is like okay and here's the soul of the movie right here <laughs> they just lays it all out to this customer um which is its own funny thing it's part of the wiseman approach where he's not talking to the camera he's not telling this to us he's telling it to this customer who has food in front of them and is kind of just like waiting to eat. Um, it's, it's, it just, it puts the dynamics on screen in a funny way. Um, but yeah, the, the, he's an interesting character. Uh, he eats like these kidneys at one point with like a passion fruit sauce and he's giving notes the whole time. It's just like maybe nine, eight minute shot. And he just keeps talking about the sauce, how he doesn't like parts of the sauce, but he loves passion fruit. And then at the end, like he eats all of the kidneys and he's like, that was good. I enjoyed it, but I, I had notes. Um, a lot of fussiness, a lot of like just craft that I can't even comprehend observing it for food that frankly doesn't look uh, appetizing as much as just like, oh, what would that taste like? Um, sure. But it's good. It's, it's just a huge immersive dive into a into a world that i probably will never get into in my own life unless i get a lot of money real quickly really soon nice. yeah we'll talk about it more it's awesome yeah well thanks Jackson. yeah thanks for stopping by yeah hey i'll be back keep going guys <laughs> <laughs> um Andy, you also saw the Pigeon Tunnel. I did the Errol Morris doc. Um, this is about <laughs> um, 
Samakare, not David Cornwell. 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 I uh, yes, they. I was very confused before the film. That's who Errol Morris thinks, and I was like, "Who's that?" And then it's like, "Oh, that's John McCarthy." Um, so clearly, I don't know a lot about John McCarthy. I've, I've I've seen him like like the little drummer girl. I don't like the Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy movie. Um, so I was a little bit like, eh, "What am I going to think of this?" I don't know. It fit into my slot. It was pretty short. Chance to see Errol Morris in person at the public screening. Uh, his sons were there. John McCarthy's sons because he died a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, and and you know, it's it's interesting. It's like. It, it, I was mostly fascinated by him in like the way that I am just fascinated by that type of British man where he is like able to speak so articulately and thoughtfully without any like pauses or thoughts or like he like takes maybe a moment to gather his thoughts and then speaks like like he is like he's reading off of a written statement or whatever yeah. right like there's no like there's no ums or uhs or anything and I'm like it's just like it's a fascinating type of person and he like clearly is like a deeply thoughtful and like has a lot going on but also like he's evasive and like you know Morris is like pressing him about like his relationship with his father and stuff and like he doesn't really betray that much emotion despite speaking very articulately and wittily about about all that stuff so like I think there's a lot there especially if you're into him uh, I think he's an interesting guy it just was like not not the subject to like fully engage my fancies that much but i think it's very solid and errol morris documentaries uh it's, it's you know they do the thwip every time they uh they show a new photo or whatever so yeah, it's so exciting um and then i know you both have seen uh hitman richard linklater hitman. The, the movie that That's saved right. the festival for emilio uh, it's so yeah, it's, good. It's very fun. It's just Tell like me about a total it. joy. Yeah, so uh, Glenn Powell plays this guy who's like, uh, he's a college professor, a part-time college professor. I guess he's a full-time college professor and a part-time assistant to the local police department on like text stuff for undercover operations. And then one day, the guy who's supposed to be the undercover cop gets, like, suspended for, like, beating up some teens or whatever. So he they have to call Glenn Powell in to be the undercover guy. And he discovers that he's very... He's really good at it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and yeah. so he, they're, talk, they're talking about, like, yeah, it's like whenever somebody tries to call a hitman in this town or, like, in neighbor town, they basically just call him to be the undercover, like hitman so they can arrest the people who are trying to put out hits on other people sure and it's like unexpectedly just a very it's like a kind of broad comedy where like Glenn Powell will show up these to these situations because he, he like gets really into it and he's like obsessed with like you know being a person who's not himself so he'll like show up in like costumes and uh, he gets into doing different, voices doing different and, yeah doing voices and accents uh, it's, it really all is very like a funny. full a full character reel for Glenn Powell. It's really like it's really good. Like and and they find ways to keep having it happen. To like, there's a big montage where it's like a bunch of it happens, and then I sort of was like, oh, I'm sort of sad that part of the movie's over now. That it's like more into the plot, but 
there are still they still find some more instances for him to debut a new character uh, in in the in the third act, which is which is good. Um, yeah, yeah. So basically, the bl- the plot ba- major turn is like uh, Adira Arjona plays this woman who like uh who wants to put out a hit on her husband because he's like abusive and is trying to hurt her. And I think he does before every time he like goes out and does a character for these people. Like he goes on Facebook and he researches them and he saw that she was hot. So he basically decided to be like, this character is a hot, cool guy. <laughs> and, uh, and basically he, they form a connection and he has, he's basically stuck like having to balance between being Gary, who's the real him and Ron, who is like the cool guy persona he developed to be a hitman for her uh and they like spark up a relationship and there's a lot of wacky hijinks and it's just very funny and charming and sexy what, what can you really say yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a great time at the movies it's got everything laughs romance like it's just, it's just like you know it's it's a real solid like down the pit and uh hopefully it gets out there and people see it yeah, doesn't someone still without distribution? Yeah. No one, yeah. Real? It's still without distribution. So um yeah, also sh- shout out to like the cop who gets like like suspended uh, who Glenn Powell who basically has to take his position. Uh that's a very good performance who he sort of becomes like an antagonist throughout the movie by uh <laughs> the actor's name Austin Amelio. He is uh from he, I know him from Everybody Wants Some. He's like one of the guys in Everybody Wants Some. Uh, Who's he in Everybody yeah, Wants Some? He's like he's sort of like the skinny like guy with a mustache. Do you remember when the, the oh, scene sure. where they're like he plays knuckles and he throws, knuckles? Yeah, yeah. The guy, yeah, yeah I know. The yeah, guy yeah. gets mad and loses. He's the guy who throws yeah. the baseball that he hits in half of the axe. Yeah, so he's like uh, that's funny. He, he's yeah, like, that's I kind of the third lead of it because he's like the antagonist and he's very good in it. He's very yeah. funny in it. I can it, imagine it like a sort of weaselly like. Yeah, it's just like a great thing to see. You know, Linky just get his guys back. And yeah, just put them in and do he some stuff with them. Red is in it. Red is funny. He's yeah, like Red is very good. Undercover people. Um. Andy, I know you also saw Pain Hustlers. I did see Pain Hustlers. David Yates' Netflix film. That's true, starring Emily Blunt, who I think is really good in the movie. Emily, she's always good. Uh, And I think this is an exception. She's the protagonist. She's like a mom, a struggling single mom who is, um, you know, she's down on her luck and she starts working for the pharmaceutical company and doing pharmaceutical rep for this pain medication that's uh, uh, been approved for uh, cancer patients who are looking to uh, to manage their pain. And sort of the story goes from there. Like, you know, it's a pharmaceutical industry story. So they are not exactly on the level about getting this drug out there in the most ethical way. Um, Chris Evans plays like the business asshole guy. Um, Andy Garcia is like the doctor behind it all um, in a very odd performance. Um, and like, you know, it was exactly kind of what I needed, like at, like in the middle of a festival, like where it was like, I didn't have to think too hard about it. It had a lot of style. 
uh, Brian Darcy James plays like a, uh, a a quack doctor of pain management. He's like balding, and like they put him on like the speaker circuit to like pay him a lot of money to start writing these prescriptions. And he, you know, at one point you see he, he sings closing time for karaoke uh, with a bunch of other doctors, which is uh, something I would always appreciate seeing in a film is having Brian Darcy James in it and getting him to sing, no matter how flimsy the excuse. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's I, you know, you're not gonna really learn anything, I don't think, or like come away changed from it. But uh, I, I had a pleasant enough time watching it. Uh, I think I've seen like people. Yeah, you will be the like, same person exiting the theater than you were going in. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it'll exactly. wash over you <laughs> like non-existent images. But, yeah. I, I look forward to you watching it because of your weird shit you tell him when you watch all the Netflix movies. Um, and then you saw Next Goal Wins. I did. And um, then you saw Woman of the Hour. Just kidding. <laughs> if you want to talk <laughs> about Next Goal Wins, go ahead. I mean, yeah, it, it, it is another movie that was like, I'm glad I saw it but I, and when I did, where I didn't have to think too hard about it. It's like, there's a couple of fun performances. It's clearly a very like, it's a small, it's a small movie, and I think that's fine and that's good, and I hope people chill out about it. Um, Do you think it would have been better if Army Hammer was in it? No. Okay. Next question. Uh, how is Woman of the Hour? <laughs> uh, it's good. You know, it, it's um. Anna Kendrick. It, it's like directorial yeah. debut. Yes. Um, Game show it, killer. It, it, Yes, I mean yes. Those you're right. Both of those elements are in that. It's not like that's not like the old like that's not the Philly Phoenix or whatever. Um, but um, it's appropriately tense. Um, it's uh, you know, it's got um, it's it, it, yeah, it's it, appropriately I think it's tense is really strong. <laughs> I really like. What was your woman in the van review? Do you remember? <laughs> My wife? Some moral ambiguity. <laughs> oh, shit. Lady, uh, in right. Lady in the van. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice music. Lovely surprise. I forget what it is. Yeah, some uh, moral you ambiguity. Can look, yeah, you can look it up. I don't think some moral ambiguity is someone else, I think. No! Um, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's a nice, it's, it's like a well-made uh, little movie, which I think is a lot more than a lot of the other actor directorial movies you can say for this. Of film. course, um, excuse me. <laughs> of course, some more ambiguity is Jonathan Rosenbaum's Florence Foster Jenkins review. Great production design, good performances, some moral ambiguity. <laughs> yes, well, I'm an honor to be mistaken. Yeah, <laughs> excuse me. To the legend, to <laughs> um yeah i you know i it, it, i guess it's going to netflix which is fine um 11 million dollars they paid for it sure um and then you also saw the royal hotel yes just Kitty saw greens that. yes how was it uh, appropriately I, dense yeah absolutely <laughs> um, <laughs> would you say it was excessively tense <laughs> No, it's all appropriate. It's an exactly appropriate amount, which is a considerable amount given the subject matter. 
um yeah just yeah it it is uh it, it's it is i'm feeling very self-conscious um it, you know it, it is uh it is a real like sort of like how are they gonna like the tension keeps ratcheting up how are they gonna get out of it what's the next thing that's gonna happen how are they like when's the next shoe gonna drop sort of movie um and i think both the leads are great um uh, julian garner and jessica henwick yes um uh and they're you know it's they're in this like rural australian like mining town working at a bar uh with a lot of scene characters and like it does ride the like they always feel in danger but there's not like it's not enough that they're like it, it, it is like the you know the the frog in the in the in the in the pot of water metaphor where it just keeps turning up and it's like are they going to get out are, like when are they going to recognize that they have to get out that sort of a thing like where is the line for them and i think it plays it plays with that really really well well you get five movies left andy i do two you more think today make it to all of them i hope so i i certainly believe that i'll live if that's what you're asking. Yeah. I'm not gonna this festival will not kill me. Uh I feel very strongly that I will be able to make it back home on uh on Friday. Um but I've been having a good time. Uh and it's you know, I mean I, I have a nice little routine where I get you know, I get up and I get out to like that eight eight AM, eight thirty AM, nine AM screaming. Uh sometimes one of my housemates joins me, sometimes not. Um uh I uh and you know, I I stop by Tim Hortons, get myself a, a bagel with cream cheese and, a, and an apple fritter. Um, you know, it's a nice little, oh, a nice fritter. little time. Yeah, I, I love the I love a Tim Hortons apple fritter. Um, uh, yeah, and then you know, and then I'm the one who's like, in, and then I'm the one who's at home and in bed by like 11 p.m. every night, so that I can do it all again the next day. <laughs> Tucked um, in by eight. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Well, Andy, I thank you, Colin. I think we'll for, let you go. Uh, thank you for Do you have a special presentation. <laughs> um, uh, go see uh Toronto Blue Jays game. The, 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 get an ice cream the cone. Football, yeah, get an ice cream cone. The 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 chocolate vanilla swirl and a waffle cone. Chocolate like, vanilla swirl. Whoa. <laughs> I didn't know you. I didn't know you were running like that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know he was down <laughs> like that. <laughs> you didn't think I had it in me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I will step away and let you continue your conversation with Emilio. Thanks, guys. I guess we can start with. I also saw the Wise Men. The sure. Yes. B and Jackson were on the same microphone, so I couldn't talk about it, but that was really good. I really enjoyed it. Lots of it, lots of very small, funny moments. There's a moment where a guy is explaining a huge, like, card of different cheeses from different places, and he's explaining where they all come from. And then at the end, he says, "Like, so did you want a specific one?" <laughs> and the people just can't remember what he was talking about. That's funny. Um, there's an American guy who smells his wine like 19 times. That's a funny guy. Uh, the head chef keeps talking about passion fruit, about a sauce he gets, where he keeps being like. You yes. know, you know, this sauce, it has too much sarasa, too spicy, but you know, it has some passion fruit. And I love passion fruit. So if you could get a little, 
if we can fix the sauce, but you know, keep the passion fruit because I love the passion fruit, and it's very funny. It's a good movie. It's like a class. Truly, I have struggled staying awake at so many movies here, and that <laughs> is a four-hour documentary that I was just completely gripped by, and never at no moment was I even threatening to fall asleep, and it just flew by. Awesome. I'm so hyped. Uh, talk to me about Knox Goes Away. Okay, so uh, Michael Keaton directed a movie, another one. He was not his directorial debut. He had directed a movie before. Um, and what can I say? It's awful. He plays a hitman uh, who is diagnosed with, like, super Alzheimer's, basically. It's like, it's like Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, but, like... It's like truly he goes to the doctor and the doctor's like, so it's not Alzheimer's, it's worse, it's faster. So in like a month, you're not, you're basically going to lose like most of your ability to like produce memories and be able to remember where you are. And so he decides to like close out all his accounts and try to, you know, just be like, yeah, it's over for me. But then his son shows up, his estranged son played by James Marsden giving an awful performance uh who just killed a guy who had basically slept with his underage daughter and he basically come to his dad to be like i need to i know you're a hitman i need you to like do you have any way to like get me out of this and like get rid of a body so basically the there is the entire movie is just like this hidden extended plan for michael keaton to like get his son out of it that he like is like slowly revealing as the movie goes on but he's obviously like struggling to remember things and forgetting so he called his like old friend al pacino playing a character named jericho buried under a million tons of hair <laughs> to basically be like he tells him basically like call me every like two days and remind me of what i'm doing because i'm not gonna remember uh but yeah it's like looks bad the script is terrible uh matt keaton's basically bad through the whole way through james marsden's bad al pacino's funny i guess but he's like not in it that much uh it's low-key embarrassing that they even programmed it at tiff considering michael keaton wasn't even here uh but yeah it's just not good it's truly a mistake on my part (laughs) and then talk to me about ava duvernay's origin Okay, another bad movie, but this is bad in a much more interesting way. Like, it, it, it origin is sort of an adaptation of the, this nonfiction book that came out a couple of years ago called Cast the Origin of Evil. Is that what the book is called? I'll find out. Uh, yeah. Uh, written by Isabel Wilkerson, which is sort of this. It's interesting because it is this nonfiction book about sort of how different forms of uh, subjugation existed in different countries, but they and at different origins time of periods, but they so all origins of our discontent. Yeah, so Sorry. it's about how like these these different countries and the different peoples in different places like suffered a certain amount of uh you know, subjugation and there were like sort of class and race, uh, racial uh, systems put forward to dominate certain people. And like, even though there, it's like different people in different circumstances, there is like a unifying thread of like the sort of uh, shared language of domination. 
which is an interesting concept except that the movie kind of isn't brave enough to just like sort of try to funkily adapt a nonfiction book and instead decides to make it really about Isabel Wilkerson's life which is like there's like a lot of stuff happens to her in their life but it's the sort of thing where it's like a lot of painful things happen to her but it's not that interesting really it's just like her mom dies her husband dies and kind of these freak things and then she sort of has to put her life back together but that that really has almost nothing to do with like what the book is about and what like the back half of the movie is about so it just feels like extremely disjointed and then just like it and over long and you're just like questioning why would this was the approach taken like if you don't didn't have the conviction to just make just to adapt a non-fiction book then like why then you know why try this at all yeah Nisi Nash is in it as like uh uh, as uh, Isabel Wilkerson played by Anjanue Ellis she's like one of her friends and she like occasionally will pop in and, and be funny and like give the movie some energy so it isn't just like either Anjanue Ellis just crying or just like listening to some person monologue about something that happened a long time ago in the world which is like the second half of that is like it's a little interesting when she goes and has these conversations with people and then she adapts like stuff about you know like child slavery and uh the holocaust and these different things and tries to bring that stuff together that's like a little interesting but it's like the it only is uh it only really becomes the focal point of the movie in a way that gives it some momentum like for the last 40 minutes when the movie's like two hours 10 or something so it's just like by the time it got to that i was just like out on it sure um, and then talk to me about Dear Jesse. Dear Jesse is an interesting one. So there's a new Tarsum Singh movie, you know, famous director of The, the Cell Fall and The Fall, The Cell, Mirror, Mirror. The uh, segment at the end of Benjamin Button when he's traveling around. Sure, famous. I guess I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Famously. <laughs> And so, yeah, there's, like, sort of a more grounded film for him in that it's, like, not fantastical at all. It's mostly this, uh, uh, you know, adaptation of this, like, real-life story about, like, this girl who is from a, who is from Canada but born into an Indian family and it belongs to a more wealthy, well-read Indian family. She goes to vacation in India and she meets this boy from sort of, the poor side of society and he's like illiterate but he he like runs this like taxi cab company well he has a taxi cab that he runs but uh and they sort of fall in love despite you know Romeo and Julie yeah you know all these sort of things despite like their class and uh, it's just like sort of a nice romance for most of it it's you know they the leads have chemistry they're very nice together the movie like gives them enough time for like the courtship and just like the electricity between them to play out and then uh, like towards the end it begins to introduce like more serious barriers onto their relationship like if you watch like the first hour you think it's almost like a YAE thing of just like oh they're cute but they have to fight their family and then it gets like really 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 serious and dark by the end in a way that's like sort of caught me off guard as somebody who like until the end of the movie I did not know that that was based on like 
a real like court case that is still <laughs> happening right now. I guess is where I will leave it. Sure. Uh, so it it's sort of it's sort of a hard movie for me to form an opinion on because I was so caught off guard where I'm just like I don't I guess I don't know what to even think of it overall. I think it's good. Like if I saw it again, I might think it does earn just how dark it gets. But it, when I was watching it in the theater, it was it was a real like the entire theater gasped at a moment at the end where people were just like, "Whoa, nobody was expecting something that dark to happen here." Um, uh, but the leads are charming, and it, it it like it's more groundedly shot than like something you expect from Tarzan, who's like obviously known for like crazy shots and crazy costumes yeah. and stuff. But there are some very impressive like. You know, these rotating shots that go back and forth between them and you see their perspective, which was why I was really liking it at the beginning, because I was like, I was just like, oh, for this kind of like nice YA romance, this is like has some incredible craft in it. Like it looks very good. And it's like because it's Tarsem and there's just like a lot of juice there. So then to like kind of get the rug pulled out under you, <laughs> it sort of colors it interesting. And then uh, the last thing, Evil Does Not Exist, the new Hamaguchi. Ryusuke Hamaguchi, the boy. It's Pass really gas. good. I liked it. <laughs> Past guest of the podcast, friend of the show, Ryusuke Hamaguchi. Um, yeah, it's a really, it's really good. It's like sort of in a different mode for him in that this is like mostly set in like this rural town and sort of have to do with like the politics and different things coming into this rural town. And I mostly think of him as a very urban filmmaker. Like a lot of his sure. movies are about like, you know, modern life, people talking, stuff like that. And there's some there's some of that in this movie to a certain extent, but it is there's a lot of pretty shots of nature with an absolutely gorgeous score behind it. Just like an incredibly impressive piece of music uh by his composer. Like the basic plot of it is like um the this company comes to this like small town and they want to build like this is like a very peaceful small town in japan which is like where it's like you know snowy and sure. gorgeous and they want to build a glamping site sure. so they this company like does like a town hall and it's like asking people like what are their thoughts on the plan and everybody is like mad at them because they clearly haven't thought it through and they're gonna like pollute their very pure water which is like one of the big things in the town and so there's basically these two people from the company have to come and sort of spend a couple of days in this town and uh you know kind of pick up some of the ways of these people but also sort of bristle against them and also be treated poorly and also there's a lot of there's just like it's a movie where there's kind of a lot of stuff going on but also not a lot of stuff going on like there is all just long stretches that are just like music and nature imagery and it really wants to sell you on like the beauty of this land and the sort of conflict they're going through which is a sort of uh it's very interesting like i i was really captured by it and it has like sort of a crazy ending it has an ending that reminds me of burning like that, that ending which was like not a thing that i really expected from hamaguchi so i was just like really into just like the sort of switch up in pace from him it's like a very interesting pivot post drive my car for him and then uh how many how many days you got left 
I got three days left, basically. What do you What are you Not planning on seeing? Days, but I'm. You know, I later today I'm gonna be watching the Delinquents, the Argentinian movie. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. Um, I just had a lot of like schedule reshuffling, so it's actually tough for me to. Remember. I'm gonna watch Green Border, the Agnieszka Holland movie. Sure. Uh, here the Bostovos movie. Um. El Rapto. Oh, American Fiction is a thing that I'm going to be the last one to get around to, but I'm excited to. Not the I've last. <laughs> sure. I guess you will be the last to get around to. You've been of the people at this. Sure. Uh, Fingernails, the Jesse Buckley, Riz Ahmed romance movie that I've heard things on either side of, so I'm interested in forming an opinion in, in it. I did also see Pool Man, which Jackson talked about. Uh, you have any Pool Man thoughts? That's a weird. That's a. I mean, it's a very weird movie. Uh, I was at the same screening as Jackson. I was sitting farther back, and there were people in the back who were straight up heckling the movie towards the no. end, which is crazy at a press and industry <laughs> screening. <laughs> Not, yeah, um, that's... it kind of looks good. I'll give it that. It does have a nice look to it. It's crazy how much Annette Benning in it is in it. He plays like his therapist. Uh she's doing a lot of crazy stuff. Uh I I did have the the one thought I did have that I told Jackson about where I was like, if he didn't star in it, I think people would fully get what it is and like it. I think him starring in it is like the one thing to where people are like, this is just like a bunch of dumb LA jokes for your dumb LA friends and you <laughs> got people to pay you to make it. But it's like I am sort of baffled by some of the reaction to it because I am less like this movie clearly knows that it's being very stupid. Like this movie is not operating on any level of seriousness. Yeah. So to like to approach it on that level is sort of I don't know. Bad a bad faith watching of it, I guess. But uh I mean I don't think it's great. I think it's like all right, and there's some funny bits in it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's Pool Man. What can you say? Yeah, that movie's called Chris Pool Hemsworth Man. Had played pool, if Chris Hemsworth had played Pool Man, it would be like three stars in a heart. People, the people would love it. You have a special presentation? Oh, I guess I there's the movie okay. that I watched that I haven't talked about. Um, Hannah Antonia Wojcik Slack. Um, the movie Not a Word, which is Marin Eggert as a conductor who's getting ready to do Mahler's Fifth Symphony. And her son, she doesn't really have a relationship with. And uh, the parent, uh, her and her, the father of the child are together. And she's uh, on her phone all the time. And like, the kid doesn't talk to her at all. It's completely just like a miserable movie. <laughs> I think Marin Hager gives like one of the most <laughs> frustrating performances I've ever seen. It's like a noble pursuit. The goal is like she's transposing the sort of narrative of Mahler's fifth of this um like child death is like the beginning and it starts with this big funeral march and then ends in a much like brighter place and 
putting that onto this movie like is it's like admirable it's like i said it's like you go through the the sort of movements of the piece through the movie and it's like you know there's a big scene where they play the adagietto and it's like he's spray painting or he's uh, spraying a fire extinguisher on the inside of this car so she can't look in at him and it's like this kid who who uh is very depressed and like his the movie is like reveals it later, but it's very obvious from the beginning that like a girl from his school who he had a relationship with died and he is depressed about it and jumps out of the school window. Uh, and she's like interrupted while uh, performing the or not performing, but sort of uh, demonstrating the uh, the fifth Sym- symphony for this like buyer or something. Or like financier uh, and gets the news that he like fell out of the school window and the tension is like her trying to figure out why he did it and him not saying anything and she's just completely clueless to everything and it's just so frustrating to watch and they go off to this island um, for a weekend to sort of reconnect and it's just them not talking to each other and this like bleak gray island but he like only wants to play with his drone and it's just not good at all okay i think if i'd seen it in the theater because i was sent a screening link of it if i saw it and like wasn't able to pause and like get water or whatever i would be much more angry about it but uh, luckily i was able to take my time with this 85 minute movie that i took me like two hours to get through but yeah, that's, that's all I've bad. seen. I've got a couple other links I haven't watched yet, but who knows when we'll get to them. Maybe they're expired. All right, we're back. Now we're here with Jesse calling in from the airport. Which airport? I'm at gate A14 of the Philadelphia International Airport on a very long layover. Uh, between Toronto and Burlington. So we're going to close out the rest of your thoughts on TIFF 2023. Yeah. Starting with close your eyes. We might have more. Who knows? (laughs) We might have more. Sure, yeah. I guess Andy's still seeing some. Emilio's still seeing some. And I, you know, I might just like uh, see if I can whip up some (laughs) other people to talk to. Sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, Close Your Eyes was, uh, we're going back to the first day of the festival now. Uh, what was, what was Close, close it's, uh, oh, I was say I, did I say to you that it kind of reminds me of The Passenger in that it's got this like it's sort of a mystery and then pretty quickly just turns into like no it's just about an old man who's trying to not be too sad the passenger of the antonioni no the the cormac mccarthy oh 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 no i didn't we did not talk about this okay yeah it's just that same kind of like I guess the character in the passenger isn't nearly as old, but like sure. old man 
making, you know, it's it's possible. I, I think Arisa is not like exceptionally old, but this is his first movie in 30 while, years. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, I like it. It's it's a pretty like. I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of people were like, oh, it's definitely interesting, but it's pretty boring. And I didn't find that to be the case, uh, the latter part to be the case. I, mm-hmm. you know, it is long, but I sort of just like went with it the whole time. Uh, it's like it's like a weird digital look, not necessarily like in a interesting late style way but in a he maybe just wasn't that interested in digital cameras and just didn't bother to figure it out that much way Uh, there's there's footage uh at the beginning and the end uh that is uh from this film that the character uh, had started shooting before the lead actor, who is also a very close friend, disappeared. That that stuff is w- was clearly shot on film and looks mm. great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is, but and that's also even within the context of that, it is supposed to be period, so it's much lusher and. But yeah, I don't know. I I do quite like it it's like uh mm-hmm. you know I, i'll i've ne- i've only seen his documentary that was the last thing that he made uh and so i i would i meant to see if i could get to at least spirit of the beehive which has sure. uh on a torrent in it who is has a smallish role in this uh as the uh the daughter of his friend uh, who is also in a really good movie that i saw and reviewed that played venice called foremost by night uh so great year for her all right and then the next thing we want to talk about is something that andy already talked about a little bit um which he didn't like and i know you didn't like also which is uh dream scenario oh yeah i i had been yeah i haven't i had gotten the impression andy did not like this movie either and we'll be curious to see what he didn't like about it but yeah i was just like the first like i'll assume that andy said up what it is and just like it yeah like the first like uh maybe 20 minutes i was like oh sure this is kind of funny I mean, like some of the the actual dreams are like generally funny and they're really going and the thing cage is doing starts off vaguely endearing and then it very quickly is just like oh this guy sucks this is stupid i i just like totally I, I just like completely lost interest and stopped giving it any benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Uh, and it just like, I don't know, like it's maybe giving it too much credit to think of it as satire, but it just like is stupid and annoying as that uh, and is also forgets how to be funny. <laughs> and then- uh, 
Yeah, so, no one is like I'm trying to because there's all these people in it, and it's like Cage is like pretty good. The Julianne Nicholson role as his wife is completely thankless. Sarah kind of gets some funny stuff. Tim Meadows criminally just like not given anything funny, just like a functional uh, Nick Cage's boss role. Uh, really, I don't understand why anyone would do that. Uh, yeah. And our movie that I know you like more, Alexander Payne's The Holdovers. Yeah. Really You're the good. only one who's I've, seen it so far. Yeah, I'll have a review going up of this maybe by the time this episode is out, <laughs> uh, but soonish. Uh, uh, yeah, it's good. He is pretty much back. I don't know that it's <laughs> like his best movie. There's a little bit of like, I don't know what he thinks it's about, but it's just like, Giamatti they're all great but Giamatti especially is just like absolutely killing it mm -hmm. uh yeah I, I how does it how does it maybe... play is like um you know the trailer is very like 70s inspired obviously <laughs> yeah uh yeah it's like it's it's very uh, the like it had it starts with like fake 70s focus features and Miramax sure. logos uh, and then like has a full opening credits uh cool with yeah it, it it's that you know and then it kind of like you forget that it's really doing that uh other than it just is shot on film I assume uh and well, apparently nice. it wasn't shot on film. It wasn't. All right. I that, said, he just made it look like that. But I mean. All right. Well, I got to I got to send in a, a correction on that review. Then. This, I mean, uh, my information could be bunk as well. I heard this from uh, pe featured previously on this episode for another show. <laughs> Jackson Murphy told me this. <laughs> no, I. I buy it. I was like worried about saying that because I was like, it does look nice, but it's like so film grainy that I but was, was like. The thing is also it was like they were showing it, yeah. it on print trailers in front of Oppenheimer and everyone was like, oh, it must be like part of that. I, that's <laughs> yeah, very interesting. So I don't know no, I did like I looked up what camera it was shot on and couldn't find anything. Sure. I don't know. I mean, like, certainly, like, I, I would assume he has not been like uh, I'm gonna cling to film with my cold no, dead hands I guy. Mean, like downsizing, I must be must have been. I shot feel like digitally. everything post, like Descendants on, I imagine is digital. I could be wrong. Yeah. I, I feel like Nebraska was right. Nebraska, I don't. I. Yes, I think so. I think that's like why there's that color cut where sure. they're wearing uh, neon shirts is because specifically the the digital uh, black and white. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's just uh, it's funny. Giamatti, yeah. the lazy eye. It's great. Uh. He really, it's like, he, for sure, that character is just like a caricature. Like, he literally just, like, is smelly. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, Giamatti, 
he's really, really, you know, he's got his Paul Giamatti integrity that perhaps was not uh, on full display in Billions where he's been stuck for (laughs) eight years, Uh, but it's it's still there, clearly. Yeah. Um, Another one that uh, Andy and Emilio talked about a little bit, um, his three daughters. What do you think of this? I love that movie. I think it's really uh incredible. I I I yeah, I I assume we're not talking about the thing that happens at the end, but it really just like <laughs> absolutely uh destroyed me. Uh and the the whole thing is just like they're all really good. Elizabeth Olsen is just like has finally been allowed to just completely be herself on film. Uh, got a monologue about how the Grateful Dead isn't really about the drugs; it's about the music and yeah, we heard singing Scarlet Begonias. Uh, yeah, it's and then yeah, like uh, I I know Andy had said that uh, Natasha Leon was the one who really stuck out for him, and for sure she is like incredible. Uh, ooh, someone just dropped something. Uh, and yeah, you know Carrie Coon, one of my favorites, also great. Uh, mm-hmm. everyone, everyone's great in it. Uh, yeah, wonder, wonderful. Uh, one of the best movies that I saw. Great, we're excited. Or interested as an uh, yeah as a old yeah no <laughs> sure no no distribute I mean yeah I don't know I guess I've only seen French Exit it's pretty different from French Exit yeah. I feel like that's what they were uh, saying yeah um and then um but yeah no distribution yet yeah you saw nowhere near. Yeah, that's like just like a very like here's an essay film that's in wavelengths. Uh sure. it's pretty good. It was funny to see on 9-11 because they it, it's about the the director, uh Miko mm-hmm. Rivera's uh expl- uh he he uh his parents brought him from the Philippines to the United States when he was very young and exploring that heritage but also why they never uh got citizenship which i i don't know if this is still the case he started shooting the movie in 20 uh 17 i think and at that point still uh was not uh you know was uh was uh a dreamer uh, at that point uh and yeah that status did not seem to have changed by the end of the movie but there is there is a scene anyway where uh he is asking his mother trying to figure out why they never got a green card uh and then at one point she said you know mainly the answer is just like uh your father never got around to it uh i don't really i i don't really know anything i was he was supposed to deal with it but there is a point where she's like and then obviously 7-11 happened and he says you mean 9-11 
Uh, but he does subtitle it as 7-Eleven, like the store. I, I, I guess I don't know if he wrote the subtitles, but uh, that was funny. It was one of a few, because mo- I think that interview, maybe it's in English, maybe not. I feel like there were several movies that were partially in English, but that had uh, subtitles for both English and in this case, the other language is Tagalog, uh, but whatever other language is being spoken now, I don't know. All right, whatever. Uh, maybe someone emptying the trash. Uh, and then and then you saw uh the settlers. This is all the same day. Is it? Who could say? Uh, <laughs> that yeah, that movie's pretty good. Uh got it as a mariana yenis cameo uh where he plays like uh a reverse phrenologist like the the movie is about uh this indigenous character in chile uh, or i think he's in argentina but they maybe cross the border over to uh Chile at one point and the director's Chilean uh, Felipe Galvez uh, but uh, who uh, this uh, English uh, maybe former soldier uh, who's been hired by the like governor whatever uh, of that part of the land to uh, basically exterminate the indigenous people and he picks this guy to go with him because he's just like yeah he's a great shot uh and then the you know the the guy sends an american with him and he's like what do you think you're doing uh but you know they're all they're both just idiots uh but enos shows up as a a backwards phrenologist who's like you see these people's skulls they're so delicate they're so smart we should be sending them to oxford which is like a it lines up with like what happens at the end of uh, uh, it flashes forward and this guy uh, going to him uh, claiming to cut as a representative of the national government now uh, claiming to try and be like setting things right. Uh, but, you know, the that. It equally just like super patronizing version of racism uh sure. I, I guess that that scene functions as a flash forward to the way that the movie ends uh but yeah it's it's pretty good i it didn't have like a huge make a huge impression on me it's like super just uh brutally violent uh which is accurate i'm sure Mm -hmm. uh but and then do you want to talk about uh he thought he died or elaborate sequences uh i'll talk about labyrinth sequences a little bit uh which is really good uh it's the the 3d uh blake williams short which Mm -hmm. uh I had I I had seen uh, when Grasshopper was putting out prototype theatrically, they released a uh like red blue 3D version of I believe something horizontal, 
just to YouTube and like mailed people red, blue 3D glasses. So I had seen that, but a long time ago. Uh, but yeah, it's just really cool. It's kind of this repeated uh, shots of uh, this hedge maze in Spain was the main place that he shot. And then there's some other footage with uh, Derek Campbell that I think was just shot in Toronto. And that then is uh, including footage that I, I would imagine must have been from an old movie that he was adding 3D to, but maybe it was footage that he shot I, I don't know but it, you know it's just like it looks really cool I wish more people were you know like because there has not been much done with 3D there's just like so much obvious space to like actually experiment uh in like a very literal sense of what an experimental art or film can be uh which I wish there were more of sure. uh there there was like there was like some maybe I'll find someone to talk more with about uh some more of the shorts at some point there's like um one in this second program I think called NYC RBG uh, that where uh, the director Victoria Schmidt processed the film such that, uh, like filtered it so that the red, the green, and the blue, uh, would be separated and then put them to get back together, but out of sync. So, mm. uh, like anything that is stationary, it, it's mostly like shots of New York. So anything that is stationary basically looks right this some of the processing clearly uh either the processing or maybe like the camera moved a little bit mm -hmm. but then like smoke or cars are like these shadows uh which mm. is really that's you know that's another just like this looks really cool uh there there weren't yeah there's there's often not a lot of those kinds of but those are a couple then the next day was a big one. Uh, we already heard Is a little bit about the, Hitman. But what did yeah. you think of Hitman? Hitman's really fun. I mean, it's like... I I definitely had seen people at Venice being like, this is, like, really, uh, it's definitely really rough. And, like, for sure, it's, like, it is. Uh, but it's also very funny. I think it was... Uh, Maybe if he was on the podcast, maybe he said it, but I know our friend uh, J. Kim Murphy said it was very Bernie. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it's. And yeah, Powell for sure is back, which I was thinking about even just like walking to it, like, you know, like a bunch of the guys from what did any of the guys from everybody want some like have a good i mean from uh, dazed and confused have a good next like seven years or whatever it's been since uh uh everybody wants some like i guess that's right around when Affleck was hitting Goodwill Hunting. Sure, like what's McCon the you know, like McConaughey isn't a guy up. for like years. Sure, uh, yeah. 
So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like people were like really like, oh, this guy, he's not actually anything. Uh, and, you know, ooh, he might end up in that more like he's not doesn't work as well as like the super traditional leading man. But when mm -hmm. doing the slightly more character stuff, clearly, uh, clearly very talented, just a super fun performance. Yeah. Um, and then you saw the beast. Yeah, the beast is. That's one. That's one that I'll have to see again less because I don't like. You know, like there's the movies that I feel like I have to see again because I'm just like I barely remember what happens uh -huh. in that, and that's not the case with the beast at all. Uh, that movie is just like insane and like. Uh, doing a bunch of stuff where I'm like, I do, you know, I I do not know what I think of it. Uh, in some ways, the have you have you talked about it at Emilio all? Emilio talked about it a little bit, right? A little bit when we were on the <laughs> and he, phone, he, uh, and later on, uh, oh, and later yesterday he, okay. he talked more about it as well. Sure. Uh, did he explain like what the structure is? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there's the the um. Uh, lost my train of thought. So the the uh, the early twentieth century part, which is what is most directly inspired by the Henry James story, uh, the Beast in the Jungle. Uh, though what is interesting is that uh, Seydoux, who's very much the lead of the movie, mm -hmm. uh, she she is playing the male character uh, from that short story. Interesting. Uh, so it's switched. Uh, and then the, so there's this 2014 section where George Mackay, uh, he had I guess the character's name is Louis Luansky is what he keeps saying, and because the the other character is Louis, uh, as well. But he fully is just Elliot Roger, uh, the uh mass shooter, uh, from twenty fourteen. Uh, sure. like I, there is like Brunello was saying that he like had watched those videos and been like Jesus, this is insane. And there's like apparently there is like verbatim. Uh, dialogue taken from those videos from Whoa. the stuff that he is filming uh which you know it's like he made the the uh Nakarama uh yeah. it's, that's kind of uh you know his his movies are going to strike people as being in poor taste frequently <sighs> uh and for sure i was like this is i don't know uh but I'll be curious, you know, like I think Keith Ulick has a really good review of it uh, in Slant. And I'll be curious to read more about it, but also just to see it again. The interesting, I didn't stay for the whole Q&A, uh, but he did mention that the way that, because I feel like a lot of people were just like, how did he go from Gaspar Ullier after he passed away to George McKay? And he did just say that, like, once he died, he was like, I still want to make this movie. It was at the time he passed away, it was like a couple weeks and they were only able to push it like a month or two. 
Uh, and he did just say, I still want to make it, but I do not want to cast a French actor yeah. uh, so that he's not being compared. And so he did just meet with, just do like a completely traditional audition met with just like a bunch of, it sounded like all English language, like Canadian, yeah. American, British. Uh, and yeah, he just was like, and George Mackay was the best actor I've ever met immediately, wow. which is interesting. He's, you know, he's like not as good as they do in the film. Uh, mm-hmm. He doesn't have to be, I think, you know, like he does the uh, the video stuff quite well. And I think he's good. Uh, but and it's crazy to imagine Gaspar Ullier. Like was he? I guess he was gonna do Amer- an American accent, um, but yeah, it's a wild and like it for for sure that twenty fourteen stuff. People were saying like, "Oh, it's kind of lynchy," and I was like, "All right," but it's it it is, and it's lynchy in the like Inland Empire, uh, Twin Peaks: The Return way specifically, which I like. I think uh, that. Uh, this third season of Twin Peaks was on his sight and sound ballot, so sure. it does make sense that. Uh, um, and like, there is like some stuff with music that's very Lynchy as well. Uh, I, I'm not saying Lynchian because it it isn't like the thing that people mean when they, <laughs> when they say Lynchian, which is just surreal. It is like actually directly stuff that's clearly inspired by specific films of lynches yeah um i'm trying to see if there's anything else i mean like i'm sure you talked about evil does not exist that's yeah great. emilio talked about it no one if you want to uh, talk about aggro drift really quickly it's not very good uh it you know like it i think there's in some ways like it's being understated the extent to which like uh capturing something other than visual light with a camera is like genuinely radical and i think like you know like it maybe would be more interesting to watch on mute and just like thinking Mm. about that stuff uh but yeah the uh the dialogue is just absolutely awful uh uh it's like it's so it's really just hard to watch and it was also just like the closest i came to falling asleep (laughs) uh throughout the festival i mean i you know uh yeah because no like i thought that during youth spring which i had after that i might be but uh which that's pretty good that you know i did fine with that uh but no it's not it's not good all right. It's not awful, but it's not good. <laughs> sure. I think with that, then we'll great. We'll end it, um, and then I guess we recorded the uh, the ending stuff yesterday, so we'll cut back to that. Great. All right. <laughs> For sure. Um. Yeah. So special presentations. Sure. Do you have one? Uh. Yeah. I saw Annie Baker's play Infinite Life uh, at the Atlantic Theater Company in New York before I went to Toronto, and it's great. It's tremendous. It's one of the most 
it's the sort of piece of art that I love, which is the sort of thing that makes me rethink what I think about what's possible in that medium. Not that I, I, not that this is like experimental really, or that I know that much about theater, but it was doing things that I was like surprised by, like going almost completely black, you know, and you barely seeing the actors except for silhouettes, a lot of like only lighting by like, the light of your iPhone. Sure. Uh, lots of nice, quiet moments, funny conversations, you know, having an interesting dramatic through line without it being very, like, argue or combative. It's just, like, interesting things, like, found through just, like, the writing and the performances. And I was just, like, very taken with it. I really loved it. Colin? Uh, mine's going to be There's Something About Mary which I watched for the first time recently and was laughing and laughing and laughing. Is and there I, something? Go ahead. I need I need to watch it. Man. Yeah. I, I, was, I mean, I, it's like I, a very... I just get it confused. Like, is that the movie with Philip, Philip Seymour Hoffman? No, no, no. That's uh, yeah. Along Came Polly. Something About Mary Along is uh, Ben Stiller movie. and Cameron Diaz. And Matt Dillon, who's so funny, Matt Dillon in House That Jack Belt Mode. Uh, and you got uh, Jeffrey Tambor in a supporting role as a uh, cop who's helping out Matt Dillon, uh, who uh, relapses on cocaine and gets eaten by a snake. And it's like, you think about that movie because it's like the famous thing from it is Cameron Diaz putting the jizz in her hair or whatever. Um, and then there's like so much other crazy stuff that happens in that movie. Chris Elliott's in it. Uh, Lee Evans, all also funny. Uh, and I just it's like okay. a completely crazy movie, like a classic fairly comedy. Ben Stiller fights a dog, and at one point he does the uh, Three Stooges poke to the dog, and the dog puts his paw up in between to block it. It's, it's great stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think with that. All of our links are in the description. Bye. Bye. Then how do I stop recording?